Hey everybody. At the start of the show, I always like to put a medical disclaimer because I want to be upfront and honest with you as always. And please remember that this podcast does not provide any medical advice. The information, including but not limited to text, graphics, images, and other material contained on this podcast are for informational purposes only. No material on this podcast and the associated website is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare providers with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen and never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you read on my website or heard on this podcast. With that important information out of the way, let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Speaking to Stacey. Today I'm joined by Nono Pongolo, a man who's made a journey all the way from the townships in South Africa to the cricket pitches of Johannesburg. Nono's story is truly inspirational and I think it'll give hope to other young cricketers out there who don't start out with all the advantages in life. It shows that you can also be successful with the right ingredients of hard work, persistence, and some luck along the way. Before we jump into the show today, there are a couple of things I wanted to highlight for the listeners. Number one, I'm brand new to podcasting. So I've noticed there are a couple of bad habits that I have when I'm speaking, but I promise you I'm ironing them out and I will be delivering better content in the future. Number two, we had some internet connectivity issues but I've done my best to edit them out where possible. And without further ado, I hope you enjoy the very first episode of Speaking to Stacey. How's it? Okay, cool. So um, just for everyone who's going to be tuning into this later on, Nono and I have been speaking um, offline before we jumped on. So we kind of already have done our introductions to each other. We haven't spoken to each other in a while. So I don't think it's necessary to introductions again Nono um, unless you want to you want to sort of <laughs> give an introduction in yourself yeah um, uh, f- okay first of all my name was Nono Pongolo um, originally um, I'm from Langa Township in Cape Town and Stacey and I got to well, I think meet each other f- for the first time I think because in high school pri- no primary school um, I came to Bishops at grade 7 um, got a sports bursary um, to study there, and yeah, that was my first time of um, being in a private school. First of all, and um, experiencing yeah private school <laughs> in that manner, and yeah, that's how I got to know you, and that was quite the whirlwind experience for me, um, coming from a township and um, obviously going to a private school. So yeah, like. that's the that's the early stages of how we met. Yes, yeah, perfect. Um, I think, Nono, maybe, um, obviously for the South African listeners listening, they'll understand that story. They'll know, you know, what a township is. Um, they'll understand what private school is and the, and the massive difference in our country between some private schools and yeah. some of the government education that's on offer. Um, maybe what you can quickly do, could you, 
How would you describe a township to someone who's never seen a township before? What, what, would, what would be your description of a township? Um, so, f- I mean, those who know the South African history of apartheid is basically, um, is back in the days, um, government had obviously segregation and there were certain parts of, of South Africa that were divided for, uh, for people from different backgrounds. So, um, um, black people, colored people, and obviously, um, white people as well. So that was my township was designated um, space um, for people who look like me. And basically the services and things like that weren't normally the same um, back then. And of course it was one of the ways that the government used to make sure that they controlled that population, making sure that they go back home to that part and um, there wouldn't be anywhere else or, or in the city. Okay, perfect. And um, you touched on something there in terms of services. Um, and obviously, I never, I never lived in a township, but obviously, I've been into the townships on various occasions for charity, uh, like Habitat for Humanity, and um, as part of the school exchange program, spent a night in, in one of the townships. I think it was Kuguletu, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and mm-hmm. Would you say, uh, in terms of economic opportunities, for example, for our listeners, m- far far less opportunities for people in situations like that than people living sort of in a normal middle, well, not normal, in a middle class family, for example. Yeah, I mean the it's I mean the economic opportunities are very limited. But first of all, um, like you're saying, the education system back then wasn't the the same standard. So you've got a group of people who were raised or grew up in a similar um, sort of way where education wasn't the greatest. It was just enough for them to 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 go out and, and work for different companies, not necessarily be, um, you know, raised to be um, a big part of a company, uh, for, for, for an example. Um, it was meant to be right at the bottom type of um, system where you can come in, be a cleaner, um, those type of jobs, um, that that was the setup. And, and yeah, that's, um, I mean, as we getting older, obviously certain people started, um, um, let's say, became teachers. I think those are the early professionals that we had from the time, just becoming a teacher. Um, and a lot of people I think um, had those opportunities that could then change Yes, nurses as well. Um, that started to change the outlook of things um, in the townships. Okay, perfect. All right. Um, I sometimes forget, you know, that obviously this podcast might go out to people that aren't familiar with South African terms and South African things that we've experienced. So <laughs> I like to just sometimes break down, especially uh, language things. Like I often realize we speak in a way that not everyone is familiar with. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, great, great that you you broke that down for for us. Um, and then, so you mentioned that you then got into bishops. In did you say you came in grade seven? Yeah, I came in grade seven. Um, yeah, so that was uh, as far as I could remember. I mean, I was I was I went into a Western Province. Um, 
um, I made the Western Province under 11 side and we went on tour. Um, did really well there. Um, <laughs> um, as you can imagine, in cricket, I was always the odd one. Um, um, in cricket, <laughs> in my age group, I was never like three, four other guys like me. I was always that odd one out. And I did fairly well there. And somehow there was a guy in my township. So this guy called Kole Mutawaiti. So he used to bring in a lot of um, English teams, touring sides in, into South Africa. And they all come for an experience and play Langa Cricket Club, um, you know, um, at Langa. And um, so that's what he used to do. And one of these days he came to me and said, there's an opportunity for you. And I said, like, what opportunity are you talking about? He said, there's a school, um, um, bishops in Rondebosch. Um, they might want to have an interview with you. So I was like, I mean, the only private school that I've been to in my life at the time was Saks because there was a eight-a-side tournament that was there. They had invited us as a township side to be part of that tournament and... I remember thinking, wow, this is this amazing school. Um, I want to be part of this one day, but I didn't know how. So that was my only time I've ever been to a private school um, before that. So interview at Bishops, so I'm thinking, I, I don't know how this looks. remember walking through through the big gates because I did, I did my interview with Grant um, Newpin at the, at the college. Oh, so wow. I had to meet with him. Yeah, so I did the interview at the at at the top um, um, with Grant. So I did my interview. I don't remember anything that I said because at the time my English was so limited. So I I can't remember because it was probably about an hour long interview. Um, I don't remember what I said, but um, yeah, my mom was there. Um, uh, Dawaiti was there. And yeah, after the hour, they were like, cool, we want you to come. So I was like, okay. Um, but I still didn't know what I was getting myself into. Okay. Wow. 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 Um, I was, yeah. <laughs> while, you, while you were talking to me, I was thinking about the fact, um, about the English situation. Because I wasn't sure, yeah. growing up in a township and obviously going to a public school, I wasn't sure what your English level would have been like. And I didn't want to obviously... Um, yeah, did not, I didn't want to assume that it was amazing or poor. So it's nice that you actually brought that yeah. up. Um, wow. Okay. So, um, did did you get help with English once you joined Bishops? W- was there extra help with you to sort of like get you up to speed, or did was that all for you to do? Um, funny enough, um, this is the conversation we just had because there's the Easter festival here in Joburg and um, some of the old boys are here and we were kind of catching up and talking about some of our memories and stories. And I remember saying to them, I said, the first two years for me were the hardest two years of my life um, at Bishops because I think, I think it's nice being given opportunity but what comes after that is probably a, lo- a lot of the stuff that people don't speak about. It's, um, yes, I was in that environment. I came to the school. I went from probably speaking 99% Kosa, my home language, even during English classes in my public school, um, Tembani Primary School, and to now switching completely, speaking 
having to speak English predominantly um, all the time, basically, and 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 it was foreign to me for those first two years. I like I said, I don't know how I managed to get through those first two years um, because. It was it was difficult, um, but what was nice is that it's it's almost like maybe it's always been part of my um, part of my DNA. I mean, I could always adapt to the environment. So yes, language was a bit of an issue, but in terms of sport, kind of helped me. So I could get into different circles. Um, you know, being an A team player or being a specific whatever sport, you can obviously start being around different people and that kind of made things easier for me instead of being that learner who couldn't speak, couldn't do anything. Um, so that was the early stages of it where um, kind of sport allowed me to to just be in different circles. But in terms of language speaking, I think, yeah, the first two years, I don't know how I did it um, because it was very, very limited. <laughs> that is fascinating because... Um, I just can't imagine. I've never had to go through something like that. I'm, I I remember. It actually reminds me of a story. You obviously, um, you must remember that guy James Kang, the Korean guy that joined bishops in like grade ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yes, mean, he yes, obviously yes. had a similar. Ended similar up being situation. my roommates. <laughs> oh yes, yes, that's right. Um, yes, we yeah, became so James, roommates in matric. Yeah, I remember now. Shit. Okay, so yeah, James James joined bishops, and mm. same thing. Like, obviously, in Korea, um, for those of you who don't know, I'm teaching in Korea. I'm teaching English at the moment in Korea, so very familiar with the Korean education and the English system, how it works here. Um, the students here, they, they become proficient in grammar and listening exercises, but they don't really learn mm. how to speak English properly because they don't have enough exposure to native speakers um, to for them mm. to actually speak enough sorry i'm just going to move my camera a bit it's just a bit funny okay there we go um and so he he would have come he would have been a product of this system understanding english probably would have been okay for him but speaking it being able to produce it would have been almost impossible for him so in like six months he i remember him telling me in like six months he basically learned how to speak english properly in like six months um Mm. it's amazing what you what what we're capable of what um, when forced into a situation where you have to learn, like you ha- there's no there's no choice, there's yeah. no Korean that you yeah. can fall back on. Yes. Um, insane, yes. insane, insane. Okay, cool. So, geez, it's almost like yeah. it's almost like you've been prepared for this for this talk. It's like you were you've been segueing the conversation so beautifully. <laughs> you, you then you you, were, you mentioned yeah. um, you mentioned like sport and how it helped you uh, sort of fit in. And obviously, being cricket being a team sport, um, you obviously around other people, so you can and people with similar interests to you as well. So I guess sport always makes it easier to integrate into the group. That's awesome. And with your sports, how did you? I, I guess again, explaining to people who don't really understand the circumstances of Africa, soccer is the big yeah. sport in the black community. Soccer on the African continent continent is the biggest sport by far. Um, yeah. cricket cricket even amongst all the groups in South Africa is probably one of the smaller sports um, because it's quite elite because you, the equipment is so expensive you need the space yeah. you need the pitch um, 
So it's quite a, quite yeah. an exclusive sport. So how the heck did you get? How did you get involved? How did you end up playing cricket rather than soccer, for example? So so um, another thing probably need to clarify as well. Um, because, I mean, you look at, um, again, if you go back in our history, you look at um, South Africa, you've got Cape Town, where predom- um, also people come from. So my um, tribe people come from Cape Town, Western Cape, and the Eastern Cape. And that's that's originally some of... Um, the, the 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 provinces that were that the English were in, so you've got that background as well, where uh, of um, course. the English so, were so in the Western Cape and the Eastern Cape. Sorry to cut you off, Nono. Sorry to cut you off. Um, yeah. So what Nono's trying to describe here, guys, is the history of the country. We were you see these are things that we I'm gonna have we're gonna have to explain as we walk through for everyone. Um, we were colonized by different countries. Um, the final yeah. colonizers were the British. Um, I mean, hence you can see my complexion. My family, I found out actually last year through DNA testing and stuff, my family came over as part of the 1820 settlers, um, my white family. So, um, yeah, so the British would have obviously introduced their culture into South Africa and part of British culture would have been yeah. um, cricket. And Okay, so that yes. makes sense. Okay. Perfect. Sorry, no, no. I cut you off. You yeah. Continue. So, yeah. No, no, no worries. No, it's, um, it's always good to to explain these things like you said earlier. Um, we might take it for granted that we think everyone understands everything that we're saying, but it's important yes. that we actually break it down. So, yeah, I understand that part. Um, so, my Corsa people have always had a background to actually the traditional sports in South Africa, rugby gotcha. and cricket. Um, so... Growing up in my family, my um, my my grand's brother, um, there's always been cricket and rugby in the family. He played actually for the uh, Ben Malama. He played formerly for the Black Springboks cricket team back in the day. So they obviously weren't allowed to play for the the national team, but they could only play for the the players of color uh, Springbok team. Um, so that's what he did. So there is there was background of sport in my in my family, but um, but of course it wasn't recognized at the time national level all that stuff. But there were I mean all of us throughout um, in our family always played sport. So I played cricket, hockey. I, I basically played any sport I could get my hands to. I was that kid. Um, I played soccer. I played. Um, cricket, I played volleyball, um, basketball, um, table, t- uh, uh, anything. I was that guy that used sport for me I, as a distraction, basically, from everything that was happening around me. And and without really knowing that I was doing that, um, it's just something that I was drawn towards and I always loved. And that's what I did. So... So cricket, cricket and soccer were my two sports before I came to Bishops, and um, um, I've, I fancied myself in soccer, but as time went by, um, started fading away. So um, um, yeah, so I mean, Langa Township, where I come from, is one of the only townships in the country where um, we in there's like a complex where we have we have cricket, we have rugby, we have soccer. 
Um, we are the only township in the country that has a hockey astro because the, the club was affiliated to Bishops. So we used to come and actually play hockey at, at Bishops. And then, and then um, over the time, Bishops started giving us coaches that would actually work with the guys as well. And eventually, um, the club got its own astro and now stands alone from, from those early days with Bishops. So yeah, that's like the journey there as well. So um, always had, um, yeah, the facilities, we had great administrators as well at the time. So a lot of that um, being involved in sport, um, early stages um, was basically my, yeah, my grassroots level of just getting to love sports and, and like I played anything at any time. And, and like, I think the question was, um, of course, in terms of um, where I, come, I came from, um, even though I'm black, but like we had all the sports, which was quite amazing. And yeah, um, probably unheard of at the time to, 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 to have those opportunities. And that's where um, I basically could choose which, which direction that I wanted to go to. But the reason why I chose cricket was because of the traveling. I, I just loved um, the traveling part of experiencing different parts of the country. Um, okay. That, that was my, my, the draw towards cricket was trying to see other places that I, my family wouldn't um, take me to at the time. So the sport was going to be the vehicle that's going to okay. take me to those places. And that was the reason why I decided to stay away from soccer because soccer is quite localized. And cricket yes. was more, you could go out of province um, and also experience different schools. Or the private schools and the public schools would play each other. And that's where the circle got bigger and bigger. And basically that, that was the reason why I was drawn more um, towards cricket. This is exactly, this is unbelievable. Like this is my first sit down with someone other than my sister. So my sister and I have recorded a few episodes, but we haven't had... Uh, we haven't been able to have anyone on yet just because this is a new thing that we're doing. So um, this is literally the, the perfect first guest. I mean, you, your story <laughs> is so interesting and like it's just things that I didn't even think about. Like I didn't – I thought you were going to say something along the lines of I chose cricket because like I, didn't have, I knew I wouldn't have to be running as much, you know, because cricket is often referred to as like being lazier than <laughs> – other sports sportsmen, no. but okay. So that's that's, that's so interesting, um, yeah. because as someone from your background, you didn't have opportunities to travel. Then you saw that as a vehicle to travel. Okay, that makes sense. That's awesome. And then you said your fir- is the first time you represented Western Province. Was that at the under eleven level? Was that your first yeah um, under eleven provincial yeah. experience? Yeah. Okay. And then thereafter, did you represent Western Province again, or was it just um, when you were younger? Um, that was that was it for me. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, just at, I, just at, just for your. I, I'm talking about like under 18, not not at the professional level, because I think we'll go into more details yes. about your your, yeah. your cricket career later on. I'm, I'm just specifically yeah. mean to that school window. Sorry, just so that, um, just to clarify for you. Yeah. So the only time I, uh, um, I, I that was my under eleven went to a couple of other age group trials and never never made the side. Um, um, yeah, it was strange. It's something that I'll probably explain later because even in matric and grade eleven I was doing well in first team 
at the time we used to have even um, national rankings in the country, the leading wicket takers, the leading run scorers. Um, remember one year, Michael Smith, if you remember Michael Smith, the leg spinner, um, he of also course. could sing. Yes, I think of he, yeah, yeah, I mean, him and I were like number one and two in the country. But really? I, he, yeah, yeah, we were, we were number one and two in the country, um, leading wow. wicket takers and things like that. Uh, he made um, province, I think, at 18 level, but I, I yes. never. Um, um, but the only other time I, I, I had represented was hockey um, under 18. Okay. Um, which when I was in I was in grade eleven as well. So yeah, that's those are okay. the only two experiences at provincial level. Okay, interesting. And you, so you obviously were playing hockey at a high level as well. Did you ever have to sort of sit down with yourself and think to yourself, um, cricket or hockey, in sort of you know long term, or was it always cricket for you? Had you had you made that decision from like the get go? I think again in South Africa, um, because hockey is not as big as your European countries and and most other places, I guess it's South Africa doesn't have a professional hockey league. Um, yes. Players can't turn professional, and which was basically it, it just made it very clear that you can't take that path um, yeah. because there's a kind of an end. Um, whereas yes. cricket is like. I didn't necessarily think I could go professional, but I knew there were possibilities to go professional um, if I wanted to take that route. And it was an endless path you could you could go towards. So that was the difference. I mean, it didn't it didn't take long. It really didn't. It was almost again going back to soccer or cricket, um, and it was like okay, it's very obvious cricket. Um, so yeah, I, and funny enough, hockey is a sport that I learned at, only at bishops. Because <laughs> really? um, like I said, I oh, wow. I, I came there playing. You maybe yeah. played before. No. Wow. No. So so as much as like some guys were playing hockey at the time in my township, but I I never. So I was more because I mean in South Africa you either have hockey, soccer, um, those. Um, can't remember rugby as rugby. your winter sports. So yes. I was on the I was on the soccer side at the time, and and I never really played. So crossed over to bishops playing. Um, obviously studying there now. Soccer, if you can remember, wasn't offered at the time, and I think you yes. and I yeah no soccer were yeah. probably the early guys who were trying to get soccer into the into the school. Um, so I had to yes. switch. I had to find a winter sport all of a sudden. And I was like, okay, this looks close enough to soccer, <laughs> even though it's with sticks. Um, let me, let me, let me try, let me try that. Um, and that's what I did. I, okay. I gave hockey a go. I started as a, as an infield player. It was a bit hard because, um, I mean, imagine I had no background to hockey before so I had to learn the basics the basics quickly and all that stuff um, so it was taking a bit of time so I was like well I'm in cricket I'm a wicket keeper um, how about like, let me just go try try being a goalkeeper and see how I've got the reflexes so I should be fine and then okay. um, 
because uh, I'm too competitive as well to be not great. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So, awesome. Yeah. Wow. I, okay. I didn't want to be just again. any other player. I wanted to, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, man. I, I, again, like, sorry for everyone listening. I think um, just a reminder: we do have a little bit of a lag, so that's why sometimes we're bumping into each other in the conversation. Um, so we'll, yeah. we'll try our best to 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 minimize that. But as I said, it's a bit tough just with a, with a lag. I never would have thought. I didn't really think make the connection between wicketkeeper and goalkeeper. Obviously, similar in a way, but obviously very different. Uh, okay, very interesting because yeah. I I played cricket up until grade 10 and in junior school I was I was I was the wicketkeeper at junior school um, and yeah but I, I would have never definitely wouldn't have played goalkeeper in hockey I just it always fascinated me how you'd like be willing to stand in front of a ball that's like literally hurtling it's a stone basically hurtling towards you at like high speeds I just didn't dig that <laughs> it's a lot yeah a lot of people get uh scared by that um after like putting on the gear i was like come on there's literally nothing that you could throw at me that i should be scared of because like you were quite padded up and as long as you don't turn your back and expose your back um from the front i mean it was was go i mean that was quite easy for me so um i think and also i mean under 14 level, 15, it wasn't that hard. So you could kind of ease into it. Um, and yeah, so you, I mean, you were, uh, I can't remember your hockey days, but I remember you, you as a, obviously a very good scrum off. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Did, did you play, how much hockey did you play? I never actually played hockey. It's just because, as, as you mentioned, it, yeah. it always was clashing with rugby. So, um, and also yeah. I played squash. So, I yes, represented yes. yeah I represented province for squash in junior school, um, but then it, when I got to high school I like I didn't really I'm not sure about your experiences with the with the Western Province setup maybe we can actually talk a bit about that I found the Western <laughs> Province squash system very political so I <laughs> I was put off by that almost instantly so for example. Um, there were certain families who were like very influential. So, for example, the one guy's mom was like part of the selection process and part of the administrative process of getting into into Western Province, um, and like the one year in under thirteen, I beat her son, who was a very very good squash player. He must have been top six or top seven in the province. And I was maybe number 13, number 14. So those of you that are not familiar with squash, like the difference between like five and 10 is quite big. Like you you don't often see the number. It's like tennis. Mm. It's like Djokovic doesn't often lose to the number six or seven unless he's maybe having a bit of a bad day. Yes. Um, Squash is very similar like that. Um, So it was a huge fluke um, that I beat him. And sort of nothing really came of that. Like I kept my, my rank stayed the same, his rank stayed the same, um, and that was the first time I, I kind of sort of I didn't say anything because I I was just happy that I that I was representing Western Province. I didn't really care too much w- like which team I was in. I was just happy to represent the province at that age. Um, but I spoke like I spoke to my dad about it, and my dad kind of like introduced me to the ideas of like it's it's not as simple as you just being the best. Um, 
there's like undercurrents of yeah. politics, even from the age group levels that like then obviously manifests within the system and then sort of the, then favoritism and nepotism and all those things sort of get, get involved, which is a bit sad. But yeah, um, was, was there anything like that? Because I said you, you mentioned earlier you, 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 you wanted to bring up something about the Western Province cricket thing. Was, was there something similar? <laughs> Did you feel something similar or? It's, it's, I think, first of all, being in private schools, that was quite the experience for me because, um, first of all, I was seeing it on a daily basis, the amount of pressure, first of all, um, students were under from their parents. So mm. what you're talking about when it comes to influence from parents at provincial level, I had, my eyes were opened in school already because I was like, what is this? Because... Um, as much as um, like, I'm really grateful of my, like my parents and um, it's it, when it came to sport, it's almost like go and have fun and do what you need to do. They won't get involved, and I actually love that in the end because it just allowed me the freedom to be myself and have fun without actually thinking that my mom is watching there or my dad is watching there, and there's there's added pressure on me. So I never had that experience of having to. Um, think about what dad is doing or what mom is doing because you know it's probably the first time they're coming to watch me and things like that so when it came to provincial level as well I mean I knew that there were politics within the schools so in some of the administrators in the provincial level would be let's say a teacher from Ronnebosch or a teacher from Weinberg so those guys mandates at the time were I'm going to try to get as many of my boys into those provincial sites uh, because, remember, it's also a good reflection on the school. If you can say we have five boys representing the province. It's marketing. It it gives them... Yeah, it's good marketing. So, um, as a Bishop's boy, I got to understand, actually, you know what? It was because some of our teachers weren't involved in those structures. Um, it became a thing that you're going to try to minimize. We obviously, you get one or two obvious ones, and then the rest, it's, yeah, you just close the door on. So I got to experience that, um, um, not from my background as a person of color. It was more of the school uh, being marginalized or discriminated against because Obviously, this, um, there's there's those uh, battles within battles with the schools as well, trying to get one up on on another as well. So um, that's when I got to experience um, that, and yeah, I think I probably took it the same way as you. And then I was like, you know what, like, because I made uh, province under eighteen at in grade eleven uh, for hockey, and okay. I had a bad experience of it. I was like, what is this? Um, I worked so hard, tried to make this team, made this team, and like it wasn't a great experience. So I was like, you know what, like I'm not going to go to this thing again. I'm not interested. Um, I'll have a really good school year. I'll enjoy my hockey at school. Don't need to to make uh, my color, province or provincial colors to to give me that gratification of, you know what, um, you have this level, you've done well. So I kept it at school. I made a decision to myself. I wasn't involved with parents, anything. It was just by myself. I was like, no, you know what, I'm good. Um, okay. And then I made a decision, and that was it. So, yeah, it's 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 there. Uh, probably still happening even today. <laughs> yes, yeah. definitely, yeah. Wow, that's so interesting, eh? Um, 
the kinds of things that you can only really speak about once you once you've been through the system. Um, mm-hmm. uh, my sister, my sister, who sometimes comes on the show as well, she she played South African water polo, and South Africa is a bit like hockey. There's no like professional level for water polo, so everything you basically on your own. You know, if if you're if South Africa make the Commonwealth Games, the government unfortunately has very mm-hmm. limited resources to help them. So you basically, if you can't afford to to pay for your ticket yourself, you basically can't go. So it's yeah. really sad. Like some some people who obviously should be in the national side have to withdraw their 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 attendance because they can't afford to actually yeah. pay their way to go. So the, the South Africa's best team is never really represented at those at those events. Um, well, yeah. so yeah, I mean, so then you've also got that issue as well. If you're playing in a smaller sport, um, so you've not only got polit- polit- political problems in mm. in, the, in the sport, but then you've got like financial and funding issues as well with hockey and, and swimming. Yeah, um, interesting. Yeah. Okay, um, wow, that's that's it's so interesting how we've had very different experiences mm. in different sports, but quite quite a lot of similarities. Yeah, the um, summer. Converge overlap yeah, there, yeah. yeah. Very interesting. All right. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, maybe we can fast forward a little bit to to um, what happened after school. Because f- f- I, you and I, obviously, for those that don't know, Nono and I were in the same boarding school, so um, we knew each other relatively well at high school because we were living basically in the same house together. Um, but since then, Nono yeah. and I haven't really stayed in touch. So. Um, yeah. I've seen you represented at various levels um, in South Africa, and then I saw you even had a little stint overseas. So can you kind of talk to me post-school? Um, yeah. What happened? How did everything happen? Um, and what were your experiences, good and bad? And, and then we can obviously, as we're talking, I'm sure different ideas will pop up and, and we can go deep into certain topics. Cool. So after, um, so my matric year, I think there was, obviously you're about to matriculate or you, you know that you're planning for your next stage in life. This is it now. High school is about to come to an end. What's the plan? I definitely knew um, a lot of guys were applying to UCT and I definitely knew I didn't want to do that. I, it was clear to me I didn't want to do, not necessarily saying I didn't want to study, but I didn't want to do that then. I'm immediately after school. So, luckily that year there was Bournemouth Cricket Club that came on tour again in South Africa, and they needed um, that they, they, they had some fixtures, and there was a Western Province eleven side that was put together, and played against them, did well, scored, scored I think seventy, took a couple of wickets, did really well, and one of the guys. I was asked, there's there's a journalist that came with him um, and said, in England, there's gen, um, there are, in cricket, in club cricket, teams generally have an overseas player. Um, would you be interested in this opportunity, one of the, um, like, signing for the team, one of the teams and be they pro, overseas pro? And I was like, I've never heard of such a thing. Um, but like, they're like, yeah, you get paid, accommodation, flights, everything sorted. You go and have an experience in the UK for the summer and then everything will be sorted. So I was like, okay, this sounds cool. Um, playing cricket, um, again, traveling, being in another country, 
I've never been oh, okay. I, I I went on a, a couple of school tours. So that was 2006 and 2007. So that was the UK and Holland, and also hockey. I went to Singapore and Malaysia. So I've been to in a couple of it. So I've been to the UK before. So I was like, yeah, I've been there. Um, I love that experience. Um, again, different parts of the country. Fully paid for. Why not? So had to tell the parents. There's this. Offer that I've been given um, opportunity to go to the UK. Um, I want to take it. They're like, but like you know, what are you, what are you trying to do? I was like, listen, I showed them the offer. Everything was above board. This is the experience. I was like, okay, I want to take this. You guys basically need to come on board and support this. Um, so yeah. Um, Couple of months later, um, March, April, after matric, <laughs> I was gone. I was gone to I was gone to the UK. Um, yeah, and I uh, lived there. I was based in Portsmouth, um, Isle of Isle of Wight um, League, um, and that's what I did for 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 that year. I um, had great fun. Um, were really successful, and all of a sudden, I was being asked by them again, "Would you mind coming back again?" Because we think, yeah, you, you know, okay. you, you had a good time. Do you think you can do this with us? So I did that again for two years. So okay. eventually, uh, my uncle, who is basically um, someone who obviously very much um, uh, believes in, in academia, <laughs> he was like, "Dude, you need to okay. come back." Um, Because if, if if you stay there too long, you feel like you, you could get lost in the in the system, just um, doing this thing for the rest of your life. So I was like, okay, um, I've had great, I had a great experience in England and it was good fun. Needed to come back, so I came back um, 2010. Um, I'd applied okay. at at Vets, like I said, I didn't want to be in Cape Town. I wanted a, a, another different experience, so I came back um, to Vets, um, studied. And that's did construction, uh, BSc construction, and that's where okay. um, my cricket started taking off. Um, my cricket started going really well okay. um, at, at club level, um, doing really well. Um, got given captaincy, um, um, I think second year, and before you know it, I'm being invited to join the Gauteng Academy, and wow. when okay. I. When I um, joined the, the academy, um, that's when, um, yes, the, the professional route started. The ball started rolling, and um, and then here we are as a professional. Um, I think nine years later. Okay. Wow. Okay. So let's just rewind there a little bit. That that's a that's a heck of a lot of information. Um, your yeah. Quick question: Did did you did you ever feel like we did you feel like you were lucky in terms of you you got an opportunity to go to bishops, <laughs> then you got an opportunity to go overseas? Did you feel it was luck working there? I'm reading a book at the moment, and sort of um, the reason why I ask is uh, the guy <coughs> in the books kind of ex is talking about how what some people perceive as luck. If you actually look at it and you work backwards, a lot of it actually isn't luck. It's creating opportunities for yourself um, by the decisions you've made. And it appears lucky to those looking from the outside in, but actually, it's not luck because of the steps you've taken. You've you've basically put yourself in a position to get opportunities um, that you can then pursue and open new doors for yourself. So, did it feel like luck to you, or did you did you feel as if you were working towards these goals, and 
these these kinds of things were like inevitable to happen because of the steps you'd taken. I think it's a combination of all those things for me. Um, okay. It wasn't intentional. I wanted to go to England, but I knew I didn't want to go and study immediately after matric. So okay. um, in terms of having a, um, an, an English team touring South Africa and having been invited to play, um, I happened to do well um, in it and get offered an opportunity. I mean, I can't say these were all my goals. It just, you know, some things fell on my lap, um, maybe because obviously my hard work behind the scenes or making, I mean, I loved, uh, I mean, I was, I love cricket. I, I love doing what I was doing. And, um, and I also enjoy the pressure moments. I didn't necessarily think there was an opportunity to, to go and, and, and go overseas with it, but it was more like, okay, these are these guys. I want to do well against them. And you just happen to score runs. So yeah, I'd, I'll definitely say it's a combination of all, those those things and okay. yeah it's um how things have worked out when i look back now it, it feels like i was at the right place at the right time <laughs> okay perfect awesome and um all right so that's i didn't realize that it happened so quickly for you i didn't realize that you that you left um bishops and then went overseas almost sort of, you know, within the first, what, three or four months, you said, of matric. I, that's crazy. I yeah, I, yeah. I always, in my mind, my timeline was, um, you. in my mind, you played in South Africa first. You represented some South African teams, and then, as a result, you went overseas. But actually, I got it back to front. You first went to yeah. England, and then you came back to South Africa, and then <coughs> you started playing for, like, the South African cl- um, domestic sides and things like that. Yes. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Um, I think okay. what 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 England what England did for me, I think it was to probably make it clear that there's a possibility you could go professional because being being an overseas player, you're the only professional. Like, you, I'm gonna put professional because I mean I came out of school, um, and basically the whole club in England now is looking at you. To not only score the runs, take the wickets, and hopefully help the team cross the line and win. So now I was put in, in a professional environment before I became a professional. Um, and the pressures okay. that came with it was like, okay, you have to perform week in, week out to help your team um, win. And all of a sudden, you have to take your training okay. seriously. You have to value your wickets. Um, you... Um, sorry, you can you can pick up from where you left off. Yeah, so I was, I was I was just saying in terms of yeah in England there was a those pressures of having to perform week in week out bat ball field help the team get over the line and it started helping me um, you know being more professional about my work and having to be put myself in a position where I could perform every week. And luckily, I played in a team where I think they had won the league on a couple of occasions um, previously. And they had also really good players as well that could help me um, get climatized to to the leagues and, uh, and the pressures and, 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 and be able to perform as well. So that was, that was a nice part about my early stages there. And it kind of made it clear that you could become professional if you wanted um, because you've already kind of taken the steps in that direction. Okay, 
Epic. All right. So, um, geez, I just got so many questions for you because your story is so interesting, man. Um, you mentioned yeah. there, you spoke about pressure, right? So, I mean, I get a little yeah. cold shivers actually he's talking about because I'm somebody that, like, without pressure, I... I struggle. Just give me one second. Um, my cat is trying to get out of the room yet. Just give me one second. <laughs> um, sorry about that. Um, so, no worries. I, I, as I was saying, I'm the kind of person that like pressure for me is without it. I'm. I kind of don't really. It, it doesn't. I don't really get motivated without pressure. Um, I don't know where that comes from. I've always been like that. So, for example, like when there's a big game. So. For those of people who don't know, um, the high school that we went to, um, the main rival is another school in the area called Rondebosch. So in 2008, when I was playing for the, for the first team, for the rugby side, um, those kind of games to me, I always seemed to play my best when the pressure was the biggest because pressure drove me to be like a better version of myself. And then, interestingly enough, in the small games, like, for example, my worst game in matric by far... Uh, it, it, was, it was, I think, a combination of things. Um, it was one of those games against Brackenfell, but it, was, it wasn't on the normal <laughs> Saturday. It was one of those weird games where we went, because it was a long weekend, I think it was Easter weekend or something, we went up on yeah. like the Thursday afternoon after school. School ended a bit earlier, then we had to go there. So like the whole ritual was off. It. Like it, I think that messed with, with people's yeah. um, performance as well. Routines. But I think it was... Yeah, the routines were all broken and, and the rituals weren't, weren't, weren't the same, mm. um, which is something we can maybe talk about later as well. Um, but yeah, that game I played really, really badly. And I think part of it was also because it was, a, it was always going to be a walkover and I knew there, weren't, there was no one really watching. It was a random little school on a random day of the week. Um, it wasn't the big crowd that we normally had. So <coughs> I think psychologically going into that game, I kind of wasn't there i just was checked out before we, i even ran in the field mm-hmm. um so for you was was pr- you said dealing you had to deal with a lot of pressure as you described was it for you was yeah. it like a, a positive force or it was a positive force for me because i think first of all to think about this you're on a i was on a sports bursary so in, yes. from the That's pressure as well. <laughs> there were expectations yeah expectations yes. that okay who is this kid um, can he actually do the job? But what was nice about bishops as well is that no one really um, kind of like said those words because it was nice about the school. You can get integrated into, I mean, like you know, there were three pillars: there's academics, there was sports, and there was um, what's, what do you call the other side with drama, all like the other music. Thing. Arts culture, culture, that's the one. Yeah, like arts and culture, yeah. <laughs> um, music, yes, arts, yes, everything, yeah. Okay. So I was, what's nice about the school is the school wasn't trying to make you just a sports person. The school was trying to mold you into all those, um, you know, different avenues. And luckily for me, those early stages, um, as much as there was pressure, but the, it, it never came from outside. It was... Okay, initially, okay, people are going to ask questions. Why are you here? Things like that. And then you kind of have to show how good you are. So it's, and then, and then I think luckily for me in grade eight, um, I had Mr. Richter, Warwick Richter as my um, cricket coach. Okay. 
Yeah, um, actually, I met up with him the other day. Um, he's here wow. at the rugby. He's, um, he's managing the rugby team. So um, he's one of my um, best um, school um, sports masters because at the time, um, especially because, I mean, you remember in school, the, the coach will also become the umpire during matches. Um, yes. And... At the time, you know, I was, I was similar to the English, uh, the England experience. I was kind of the main guy in my team, and what he will do always remind me to just enjoy it, just enjoy the pressure because, like, it's almost like the team was looking on on me to score the runs and take the wickets, and he would just keep reminding me, just keep enjoying it, enjoy being in these pressure moments. And I think from there, and it kind of like went in my head. I was like, okay, um, this is. Um, Pressure is not something that you just need to push away. Just take it um, and enjoy it. And, and and I think when I started doing that, um, started making my decision-making a lot clearer, um, started um, being more positive under pressure. Um, so, yeah, it became a positive force to me. I think from then onwards, I'm, I'm similar to you where I, I, most of my good performances have come in when pressure has been really on. And and kind of struggled. Um, I really struggled in your your lesser games or in cricket where it's three hundred for three, and then you have to come in. For me, it's like, what am I really gonna do in this thing? Because it's already like done. Yes, <laughs> Whereas yeah. if you say it's one hundred and fifty for for five or one hundred and fifty for 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 six, whatever, and then I come in. So like okay cool now I'm going to show you um, you guys think you're done and you think you've got us by the balls I'm actually going to show you that you know what you're okay. not done and we can actually find a positive way out of this so it it ended up being up and being being like that yeah well I mean as I said earlier literally couldn't have set up the next thing that I want to ask you any better than that like you're you've literally steered me to where yeah. I wanted to go next you. You mentioned there talking about Mr. Richter. So, would you say he was like a a mentor for you in high school? It 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 became yeah, a bit of everything because he was my coach and became became my mentor in the end because um, I really enjoyed um, the way he was managing his team and the way he was managing me because, um, like I said, like I felt like in my team I needed to perform. But like he didn't put any more added pressure um, on me to 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 want to um, do that um, by myself. Um, so um, kind of ease that ease that um, on me a little bit. So um, yeah, I really really enjoyed the way he he ran his his size, and um, I think also I think you. It was someone that was so easy to speak to as well, um, away from the the, the games and um, very good at managing sides. And I think that's one of the reasons he's even here. Um, that's the Saints Festival, um, being the manager of the rugby side as well. So, um, yeah, he was definitely someone who, in my early days, made my life a lot easier. And um, like I said, to enjoy the pressure. There we go. Um We've got to, we've got to hook you up with some some better internet out there. Uh, I, well, I don't think we'll be 
<laughs> Korea, South Korea fast. But uh, yeah, it's, I think it's good, but not South Korea good. Okay, epic. Um, sorry, so where, what, what I last heard you say there was um, that he was uh, like a, a, you did see him as a mentor and then kind of you cut out. Um, yeah, he, he, yeah, he definitely, yeah, he definitely was someone that was good for me in my early stages because he was good at calming me down and 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 and, and enabling me to actually enjoy those moments because um, it's I knew I needed to perform, but like you can put so much pressure on yourself and you start yes. tensing up and you're not able to perform and you know how um, those things can happen. So he kind of like took all those things away from me and then actually just like now you're just watching the ball. You just focused on batting or bowling. Um, and that was my sole focus of those early days, just enjoying my cricket and having fun. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like every time I played because so he was the B team coach at the time. So he was the 14B coach. And and I'll do really well for the Bs. And then now and then, so every time I go to the um, to to the A side, and I just remember the environment being so completely different. Um, and for me, like even today when I, I mean, I've captain sides and things like that, where I've, I, my sole purpose to make sure the environment is conducive for everyone because I know the importance of that because if environment is good any player can come into the environment plug into the environment and actually start performing because it's welcoming it's allowing uh, individuals to be themselves and things like that so um, if it was a struggle every time I went to the A side it's almost like I have to prove myself whereas um, it shouldn't be the case it should be we're already accepting that you're good enough to be here and now just go and have fun and that was the difficulty um, and he was so good at at those things and every time I'll go to the S side it was a, like, it's like weird and then I come back I'm like I'm in my environment again and, and have fun so um, I think that's the most important part about him as well he was good at creating really good environments um, for for you to be yourself interesting interesting that that's so mm-hmm. Um, so weird that you say that I had a very very similar experience at university so after school I only played one year of rugby because um, I had a knee injury that then after, mm. after the knee injury it was serious I, mean, I tore my ACL so I didn't um, pursue a, a rugby again after that like it, for me I was only representing UCT and I didn't feel like the long term repercussions of rugby injuries were worth um just playing at that level you know if I was a professional it would have been different but um, I was like risking my health my future health for like mm, something that I mm. that I wasn't I wasn't crazy about UCT not the rugby side just the, the, the school as a whole I didn't really enjoy my, yeah. my time at UCT but that's like another story in and of itself um, and we had something very similar in the under 20 setup so the B side I had the most awesome time I played in the under 20 B side mm. um, and every time I would obviously bench for the A side. Every every time I'd go and bench and be in the warm up and be in that environment, it was so weird. It was so different. Like the B side, the coaches were very relaxed, let us express ourselves, had like this awesome, welcoming, open environment. And the A side, mm-hmm. it was so stifling. It was the the, the coaches mm-hmm. were almost scared to lose, or they, or they were like yeah. fearful that they would mess up or something. So 
it was a look. The, the side was extremely talented, so I think they were mm. lucky. They they won. They kind of carried, yeah. They, they carried. They they were able to win regardless of of the environment that they were in. Yes. But I I just remember that exact same experience that you had. Like I'd go in and I'd be like, "Well, this is so weird. Like it's no wonder um, these guys they didn't really seem to be enjoying their rugby. Like they." They would enjoy it when they yeah. won and stuff like that, but they, you could see there was something a bit a bit weird. Like it was a, just a bit of a. It was just too much. It was too much pressure. Too much. Um, too much. I guess what's the word I'm looking for? It was too uh, too structured. Um, wasn't enough it's, freedom. Yeah, it's a, It's. I think it's an indictment of the. Uh, we as South Africans, we love our sports, and at almost we want to win at all levels. And I think you lose that element of fun. Um, yeah. the, the, the higher you go, the more serious it gets. And you Absolutely. take away from the environment where, um, as a kid, your natural instinct, for example, if I'm going to use rugby, is probably to run. <laughs> you're probably looking to run the ball. You're not looking to kick it. And the more coaching you have, all of a sudden, you must think tactically, you must think all these other things that don't come naturally. You almost coach, they coach you out of your natural instinct. And I think it's one of the reasons, for example, in cricket, we still haven't won a World Cup because it's, it's, it's guys who, when the pressure moments arise... It's almost like we freeze because we, yeah. we know it's we've been drilled a certain way, and like in a semi final and a final, you still have to enjoy yourself and still have yeah. fun, and, and and it's not like it's just another game. Yes, it's there's more at stake, but like it's still another game, and I think that's where we get it wrong in South Africa because it just everyone just puts more pressure, more pressure, more pressure. Before you know it, like I said, it's like. Your natural self is gone, and you're thinking more about the occasion more than what can I do. Um, I've been practicing for this moment my whole life. I should just have fun and enjoy it. And if it doesn't work out, I'll you know I'll assess it after the game and think about how I could do it differently next time. Um, it shouldn't be the end yeah, of the world. So I think that's South African sport. We probably it's competitive and also organized. I think we're one of the few countries in the world where. Your school sport is so well organized and so well run, but at the same time, that actually also puts pressure um, um, for, to, 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 to kids at a young age of being so serious and, and losing that element of, of fun that, um, that comes naturally. Yeah, very, 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 very true. Um, do you know what's interesting? You're mm-hmm. talking about that. So I, in, I had a, we had a very strange experience in first team rugby in 2008 um bro you matriculated in 2007 stop saying eight no no i, I went i went back for post matric i went back for post matric is it yes. oh, yeah oh snap yeah. that's why yeah, i was sorry, like I, why are you I saying thought, 2008 i forgot you you were i didn't know that so i played first side no problem no yeah problem. <laughs> Okay, so uh, I that's why I was like when you mentioned 2008 earlier I was like <laughs> yeah classic classic um, yeah so <laughs> nice we, yeah. I was very I was very tight with um, uh, Zach Prince and Ches Chesre Aronser and you obviously must know Chesre quite well from yeah, the yeah, cricket yeah. as well um, and yeah, yeah, the three of us yeah. like we all naturally quite light hearted people so 
like we, mm-hmm. I, like I'm the kind of person like before a game, I'm not like banging my head into lockers and like getting all intense. Like I like <laughs> to smile, I like to relax, I like to be calm, yeah. I like to listen to my music, um, talk talk about casual things, like make jokes, have other guys laugh to like to try and let, let a bit of the steam off. Um, and initially, in in the team before other people realized that that was our personality people thought we like weren't taking the moment seriously people thought like mm. oh they, like you why why aren't you like why are you guys always laughing like why why aren't you ever taking things seriously and it wasn't that we weren't being serious about the, the, the sport it was just that that was our way of dealing with the pressure is that yeah rather than become intense and let it overwhelm you we like to to laugh and joke and have fun and um yeah it it, it was weird like the culture within the team and obviously from years and years of being that way to them that was completely abnormal it wasn't and it was actually almost like we were discouraged from doing it but we didn't because that, I mean that's who we naturally were we, we couldn't change our personalities yeah. that's just how we were so mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's I think no, it's, it's that whole thing that no, you're talking it's, it's, about it's, like it's that whole that whole system and the whole everyone just getting so caught up in it that they don't not able to like actually step back and be like actually these guys are playing good rugby and having fun, it's fine. It's 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 environments where everyone must be like this. Whereas, like I'm a strong believer that, especially in team sports, you can have what the rugby is even more. It's 15 plus probably seven subs. Yes, we have our core values as a team, but like there are also individuals in the team. You've got your flair guys. You've got your really structured guys. You've got your guys that can make magic at any time. So you've got to give them the freedom as well within the structure to be themselves in, in, if, you know, in, in, in tough moments. And like, but I feel like, like I said, going back to my point, it's almost like um, you've been coached from minute one to minute 80. This is how the game should, should be played. It's almost like not giving your creative side an opportunity to, you know, make that magic in that uh, you, you make a decision because I mean you've been yeah. training and, and preparing yourself for so many years of this game um, so there are elements where you seeing a gap you're probably thinking mm, should take it whereas you probably yeah. okay the coaching side is like ah, how about an up and under for example and, um, <laughs> and and bring maybe the whole team into it or territory or whatever rugby and uh, analogy I could use but um, yeah that's where I think South Africans, we, we get it wrong. I think, like I said, all, sports is so organized at your school and all that stuff. But I just think the style of coaching for me, and that's why I love watching New Zealand and all that stuff. It's structured, but like yes. it's, it's so good to watch. Um, um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting how that literally, that obviously translates across all sports. It's like that. Uh, well, in South Africa, it would be the big ones cricket, rugby, soccer. Um, yeah, yeah, very interesting. Okay, so, wow. So you then you go to England. So going back from our tangent, you went and <laughs> came back. Yeah, <laughs> you, you came back. You entered into the university system. Um, I had no idea that you studied yeah. uh, construction. Um, wow. Yeah, okay, so it's did, um, did, random, absolutely random. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, maybe we can touch on that later again. Um, be interesting to hear yeah. like if you'd ever if you're ever going to use that um but going back to the cricket hmm. the 
you then you, you said you you made the academy side in Gauteng. Um for people yeah. unfamiliar with the structures of cricket in in South Africa, what does the what does it mean to be part of the academy side? Um, and then what happened thereafter? What, what doors did that open to you? And what are the next couple of years from then to kind of now? Like I know obviously yeah. a hell of a lot has happened. It's been a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ca- can you kind of explain how that all worked out from your side? Yeah. Cool. So. Um, I think was leading leading wicket taker, one of the leading wicket takers at um, club level. Um, scored a few runs as well, and I captained our university side to I think the 50 over competition win, and get an invite to join the um, the academy side. But the problem at the time was um, it's almost like that's. Um, um, UCT are those institutions where it's academics first. Um, sport is like, yeah, whenever you go to sport, but like the main part is academics. So it started clashing. So for example, at um, academy now, I have to go to training at 10, but I've got lectures starting at, at 8 and probably ends at 2. So there was no window for me to, to start taking cricket. So um the coach at the time was Enoch Nkwe, who um, ended up being one of my best coaches and a good friend of mine. Um, but like he was, so I couldn't really tell them. I was like, okay, I want to be part of the system, but like um, my commitment is is studies at the time. Like my schedule doesn't allow me to 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 come to this practice. So I kept on giving them excuses. I can't come, and at the time, of I wasn't driving. So from vets to Wondrous uh, Stadium is probably about a 20 minute drive um, if you if you're driving if you're taking taxi which is <laughs> at the time that's what I was doing <laughs> that's a completely different experience it takes two taxis for me to get to the to to the stadium and also on top of that um, Joburg was foreign to me so I was still like learning the routes and things like that so I came this problem child to him where there was always an excuse. There was always something happening. So they're like, listen, dude, like you're probably like not like, again, not interested to be here. I was like, these guys don't know what I have to get through to be here. But like, they're like, park you off. Um, but like, we're interested, but like you clearly not fully committed to this thing. So year wow. num- probably year number two again, I went, but like, there was a little bit more time for me to, to fit it in and um, ended up being available for, um, for a game against um, Northerns, Northern Titans, so the, the Pretoria team. And at the time, I think what Aiden Markram was still making his debut at the time and things like that. Okay. So we ended up playing a game, um, um, played a game, a, um, a three-day game. Um, okay. And... Um, made my debut. I scored. Um, I scored a. I scored a. I scored an eighty on debut, and and then second innings I was forty nine not out. I took four four wickets in a match. So it was like, like boom, like announcing yourself. And um, we're like, okay, cool. We think that there's something to work with here. Um, and then I got invited for another game. So this now was, I got invited to. To the B team game, so the academy is basically the C team, 
and then there's the B side, the B side, which is obviously a lot closer to the main side. Um, so they have their own professional league, the B sides. So all the B sides around the country will play each other um, um, in three day cricket and one day cricket, T20 cricket. Okay. And there was a warm up game again against Northerns at, at the Bull Ring Wonders, uh, my first time at the Bull Ring. And we're playing a warm up game. And I do all again where I score 50, I take wickets. So, like, hey, shit. So, like, it's like, Back-to-back games, yeah. I went from academy to the B-side, and I'm doing well. First game, boom. Um, so, like, the the B-side is playing its first league game next week. So, some of the players who kind of know, knew each other at um, club level, it was like, dude, there's a possibility that you might play. So, I was like, no, nah, man. Why would I be playing? I'm, I'm new to the system. They probably wouldn't. The following week... Swiss Bob, they asked me, like, you playing? I was like, okay. Um, still didn't, like, quite compute what was happening. I was, like, just taking it on my stride. Ended up playing the first game. Had an absolute shocker of a first game. <laughs> because, <laughs> so, like, now I'm thinking, okay, like, it's, it's like, you, you question yourself, like, why am I here? Like, um, they are really good guys. I'm not playing like you. And I had one of the best chats that probably helped me um, to be where I am today. Enoch, um, Enoch Gwe, the coach, was like, dude, um, I back you. Um, we back you. We feel like you deserve to be here. You just need to just stop whatever that you're doing in your mind, that you're questioning yourself. Because he said, I could see you. Like, you're not being yourself. So I was like, this is, I was like, I was like how do you know? He's like, yeah, I could see that you're not being yourself. From that day, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy it. That same season, uh, on the B side, I played every game, like he said. Nice. I played every game. Um, became the leading wicket taker in the country in the B team. Three-day um, player of the year. Um, things like that. Like, wow. unexpected. Like, um, I was having so much fun and ended up... That same year, getting a Lions contract um, from from literally from nowhere, and that's when the journey started. Okay, wow, that is unreal. So yeah, um, yeah. Quick question: Why you you spoke about like you weren't comfortable telling them that it was like the studies? Um, yeah. Why do you think? Why do you think? Why did you feel that you if you were honest with them that they would? That they would have had a problem with, you know, if you'd said, "Look, guys, I'm actually studying here full time. I, I have a, my commitment to my studies." Well, were you scared that if you said that, that um, you, they would then like abandon you and be like, "Oh, this guy's more committed to his studies"? Is that what you were worried about, or was it something else? That, that's definitely what I thought they would say. Um, it was just one of those things where he's not committed to this, and we're going to look elsewhere. And I was like. I am not willing to, at least from my side, to tell them that's the reason. That I'll, yes. It's better that they figure it out themselves and and push me out than me making that decision by myself because I thought I could do it, but like I didn't know how to balance it um, at the time. Yes. Okay. And if you had to go back now, would you have handled that situation differently? Or... Um, like, if, I think everything that. happens... 
sorry. sorry. Give, I think give everything. The, the second star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry, you did no speak problem. about the the, the lag and um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think. I also do believe everything happens for a reason, and the timing was the timing that it needed to happen, and. Yeah, um, I had to go through um, that journey with him, and funny enough, we became like super close. Um, uh, yeah, with him. I mean, um, I'm someone that ends up having good relationships with coaches, and I tend to play well for those coaches as well when I have good relationship with them, because I feel they understand me and they get me. Um, so yeah, um, I think the timing was the timing that it needed to happen. Okay, epic. That's so that's so cool. All right, so wow, you have such an amazing story. I didn't realize. That's why I wanted to sit with you. I didn't realize that like you were having to taxi to practice. And I mean, obviously, again, something that, <laughs> something that non-South Africans will not understand is that when Nono says he's taxiing, he's not talking about like a New York taxi where you call the driver over and he takes you to your destination. We're talking about like a mini bus. So picture like a minivan if you're an American where mm. there are 15 plus passengers crammed in there um, and then they are stopping sort of ad hoc at random picking up cu- picking up new customers dropping off customers on different a route, destinations different destinations like so it, mm. it's 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 a bit chaotic um, I remember like my car once yeah. I had an accident so my car was in the shop and I had to taxi for like two weeks I think I was using taxis and Gosh. I thought it would be a great idea to try and taxi to Camps Bay where I, I, I would meet like a, a, <laughs> a student I was helping. It took me so long to get from Claremont to Camps Bay. It was yeah. a joke. Like I actually ended up abandoning, tutoring, yeah. tutoring the child for like the next couple of weeks because I explained to the mom, look, like mm. number one, it's super far. Number two, like I don't really know what I'm doing. Like mm. I'm learning the taxi culture as mm. I'm like literally as I'm going. Um, yeah, so I, I feel your pain. That's that's insane. Um, all right, so then you get your Lions contract. Um, you said it yeah. came out of nowhere. Um, sorry, you, you get you get your Lions contract, right? And then wh- you when was that? What year was? What year are we talking about? Um, twenty twenty fourteen. Um, twenty fourteen. That's when I. Um, that uh, I was quite lucky that um, the Titans wanted to sign me, which is the Pretoria side, and the Lions obviously were quite keen for me to carry on. And yeah, I ended up making the decision I wanted to stay where it's kind of started. And yeah, that's that's when it started happening. Okay. And then, how many years did you spend with the Lions? I spent seven years. Um, I just I only left end of wow. last season um, because I I, oh, I, geez, I had no idea. Yeah, so I wanted a different experience, man. Because I was like, I've only played for one team, and and what what's tough about the Lions, which most people, so the Lions have a lot of international players. So a lot of guys will go to the pro tiers and they'll be playing there. But when they come back, it's like. They'll, it like becomes a mess because 
everyone naturally has to go down a team now because all these guys are back and things like that. So I had endured this for like seven years where, you know, the Proteas are back, movements tends to happen. And it kind of becomes frustrating um, as a player where it's just constant, like you're not, you're not, if you had below, I mean, we below the national level, the, uh, the provincial level, and every time they are back, um, literally your plans need to change accordingly. Or obviously some coaches were very good at continuing with some of the guys that were doing well at that. At, at that. Where, so I had to take that for a couple of years where it became really frustrating. So I was like, let me go try something different for um, my, my um, I think I'm a lot closer to stopping now. Um, so uh, I just wanted a different experience where you can fully be part of um, a team. And I mean, we only had one pro tier in our side this year and you can create a, a, a different culture um, where it's always the same players most of the time. And you can be a lot closer together don't rely too much on the Proteas because it, at times you do become a team that relies, okay, the big dogs are coming. <laughs> so the big dogs are going to help us get over the line. And the guys that um, are not at that level start like almost like you can, without knowing, start like almost giving yourself an excuse not to be performing because you think that the big boys are going to do it. And at times actually when the big boys were, were around, the performances were not as high because of just naturally everyone thinks that they'll do it and you, you, you end up having tight games when they're around. So um, I just wanted a different experience. So I left end of last year um, and it, okay. yeah, it was uh, uh, my first experience out of the Gauteng setup this year. Okay, interesting. So do, do you think... Do you think that like in your situation with the Lions, when the players are coming and going like that, surely that messes up the team chemistry, which is you know something you mentioned there. You said that um, the performances weren't always what was what was expected. Didn't really they didn't really match up. Do you think that's because like they were kind of ruffling feathers and making the chemistry a bit messed up? <coughs> it's it's. I wouldn't necessarily say they were um, obviously changing. It's just it's just that there's changes. I mean. All of a sudden, okay. you're having five, six members coming down um, to your team. And, of course, some of the guys, let's say you are doing well and the coach is forced to make a change. Um, and, and obviously, there's harmony in the side. It can, be, it can change environment and things like that. So, um, it's not necessarily that... I think they, they were bad people. It's just that with changes, obviously it creates, um, you know, it creates that in terms of um, change in chemistry because now we're playing with guys that we haven't played with in a couple of weeks. Whereas obviously the, the more you stay together, the more you build relationships with the guys that were there and you understand each other a lot closer. Um, um, so, yeah, it, it, I think at the Lions it became something that was part of the journey, um, having to come in and out, having to learn to perform for a week and then you're not going to play for two weeks and then the, the protests go again and then having to be able to switch back on and be able to continue performing. So it, it, it actually ended up asking different parts of you um, to, to be able to perform because it... Um, there's expectations when you're playing for the Lions. There's expectations when you're playing for the Titans. Okay. 
to 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 win trophies to win games all the time but people don't understand that what it does to the individual when this week you're playing next week you're playing a big match with coming from cold and it's it's it becomes tough yeah um that's also i feel i mean correct me if i'm wrong so for example you could have in your team the 11 of you you could have like three or four guys that are in that are in good form for example and then maybe one of them unfortunately loses their place because guys are coming down and the coach there's only limited option the coach can make he, you know he can't drop all of his batsmen out yeah. he has to keep some batsmen in and drop some bowlers yeah, yeah, so yeah. Did, did that not like create um, like resentment within the thing or was it just guys understood that that was the process and it is what it is I think again I think it's a bit of everything where because especially um men's sport as well we don't tend to like to talk have these tough conversations it's things were being swept under the carpet like you must understand and things like that and in south africa as well there are transformation matters as well that a coach has to deal with as well so he has to balance bringing down pro tiers making sure his provincial players are happy and also having to adhere to the transformation policies of the country as well so there's so many different dynamics that okay. are basically conflicting with one another and but we weren't having these conversations i think that was the difficult that's been the part i think i wish we could change in in our system and and talking more about transformation actually it's so that it's open and guys are you know can have these tough conversations because now like you said you start resenting the other guy whereas i'm not in control of selection you know um um and the coaches didn't make the policy the policy came from the government so yeah. you are being upset and resenting the wrong people because they just have to make the call uh whereas now you start being angry you affect the environment but whereas if you go up the chain it's not the people that could control what's what's out there so um that's where i think um our system has been getting it wrong and uh, um i mean we were quite lucky at the lines as well we started having those tough conversations um where we spoke we spoke openly about it um like it is what it is um you um you can't be upset and, and angry but of course, in an individual still has to make a decision when they are away from the team yes. and you, maybe you start making excuses for yourself to f make yourself feel better. Whereas for me, it was like, um, okay, it is what it is. Let's go put some work and, and hopefully I'll be ready for the next opportunity. And that was the way I looked at it. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Wow. Okay. So, um, wow, that's, that's so hectic. Mm. I, you see, like I've never experienced something like that because obviously I, I unfortunately never got into the system as much as I want, would have loved to have seen what it was like playing at like a provincial level um, with any sport, I guess. Mm. Um, all right, so maybe for your Lions career, because um, I see we've already been going for like an hour and a half and I don't want to take too much of your time and I c you can always come back on. You, you're more than welcome to come back on to, to chat again. Um, how about... We chat about your what, your best experience at the Lions, and then maybe you can describe what you're doing now, um, your new journey, and then um, we can kind of uh, wrap it up a little bit. And then I, I really think, I mean, 
I, th- I feel like <laughs> I feel like we've just like scratched the surface of of what we can talk about. Um, so if you if you're willing, maybe in a, a few weeks' time, you can come back on and we can actually just dig it a bit deeper into some of the stuff that we spoke about today. If that's cool with you. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Epic, epic. Okay, cool. So what what is your highlight for the for your career at the, at the Lions? Um, I think being um, a, I think I was the first player, probably the only player to win. Um, four trophies in one year. <laughs> um, wow! Um, and so there's there were so there was the the B side tournament, which is there was it's called an Africa Cup. Um, so we okay. a T Twenty competition. Um, the likes of Zimbabwe are part of it, and you're playing like twelve different sides group stages eventually there was a winner we had an unbelievable side um, so that was the first trophy that year 2000 and 2018 um, and then we go to the four-day series with the Lions um, four-day series with the Lions where um, probably the toughest competition playing against all your, your main sides we end up um, winning that like with like nine balls remaining of the day and yeah we win the, the four-day competition and then there was the Mzanti Super League, where it's like the it's like an IPL version of um, um, the T20 in South Africa. So that was the first time South Africa was actually hosting it. So we had a lot of international players. Like so, we were playing with Chris Gale was in my team, um, Dan Christian who plays for uh, Australia. I played in Australia. I plays in Australia. Um, Simon Harmers, um, KG. Um, Dane Villas we had an epic side we end up winning the competition wow that's a crazy uh, crazy yeah. lineup. yeah yeah yeah. we end up winning the competition unbelievable year um, had a lot of fun there was a lot of uh, um, got I had to say drinking there was a lot of drinking for like a month <laughs> um, because Simon Harmer is the is the biggest finds chair one could ever come across with, uh, with Dan Villas and win or lose win awesome. or lose you know, guys used to go on um, on proper proper fines so um, after that uh, the third uh, comp and and then we go back to our teams as well. So the Mzante um, Super League was like a hybrid um, um, a competition where you could literally get bought by anyone in the country. You didn't have a okay. say of... Okay. So you go in an auction and teams um, buy you. But originally, I wasn't meant okay. to be in it. So, I, so no one... Uh, no one, um, no one um, bought me <laughs> so i was like that year um i wasn't i was meant to actually commentate so i was um i was i was i was going to commentate for the competition for sabc and a, a week before the tournament one of the guys got into an accident so they're like dude um we might need you so i came through the back door <laughs> um end up having a really epic tournament um i still have the Best bowling figures in the competition, six wickets for for twenty, um, and yeah, we won that competition, and then we won the CSA T Twenty competition. So that was four trophies in one year. So that's definitely like unbelievable year um, for me. That stands out. Um, um, I I love I love trophies. For me, it's um, I play to win. 
I really don't care about uh, my stats and everything else. It's about getting over the line. How I get there, it doesn't matter. So um, that's definitely, there's been definitely lows where um, I've played at different stages for the Lions. I've played um, a stage for the Lions where there was a lot of experienced players. And then unfortunately, a couple of years ago, we also had a, a, a match-fixing scandal in South African cricket where um, a few 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 of our um, teammates were were caught um, allegedly um, uh, f- but contriving to fix a game um, and ended up being banned from the game and so imagine losing a core of six seven players of your senior players and those years that followed now you're having no experience or little experience. They were quite dark because I uh, went on some losing streaks of um, because you're playing all of a sudden a group of guys that haven't had um, 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 a lot of match time together and they're learning together. So that was that was that was dark. Um, um, questioning yourself and and people questioning your performances and again, but like who are you learning from? Because there wasn't anyone to learn from. Uh, we're all, um, yeah. So yeah, those were tough. And um, yeah, and yeah, those were my definite highs and um, and yeah, the, the tough times were also very, um, very low. All right, then last question. I feel like we definitely need to do this again because there's things that I want to speak about. But if I ask you the questions, we're going to be, be here all day because there's so many things you touched on just in that little brief yeah, yeah. with your highlights and your lowlights there that I would love to like unpack with you. Um, yeah. But right now, you said you left the Lions last year. Um, where are you playing? Are you still playing? And where, if you are, where are you playing now? And like, sort of, uh, what is your projection for the next sort of two, three years? Because as a sportsman, you're obviously, you obviously must be thinking a little bit as well about your age. I mean, we're 33 this year. I think you're 34 yeah, this yeah. year. So <laughs> is, is that something that yeah, you're thinking yeah. about? Or uh, maybe you can tell me that and then we can wrap up. And then afterwards, I just want to quickly just chat to you off, like off air and then we can we can call it a day. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I've been lucky as well to have got into commentary quite early. So um, I was with the SABC um, commentating for the last four years, and that was um, talking about the game, um, sharing my experiences of the game, analyzing the game. That's something that I did for free um, with anyone who wanted to ch- chat to me about sports. So I was lucky enough to enter into that space, and I've really enjoyed it. Um, so that was that's some of the stuff that I'm doing um, off off. Um, away or away from the game um, and just recently there's um, I mean I've done my first game with super sports okay. so transitioning to 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 that side um, yeah that was probably like something that I've been working on and planning on for some time and I'm hoping that yeah that's a journey that's gonna continue for some time um, also recently I mean I I, I was never a person that wanted to stay in the game afterwards. I, I was like, I'm going to play and then I'm going to leave and I'm going to go do um, something completely different. And recently it's um, seeing the state of our game and having the need of having what uh, former players and things like that 
to stay and be part of the game. Um, there's been a drive in me to to obviously now want to 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 stay in the game and actually help the next generation of players, um, creating environments and things like that that are better and conducive for um, all our cultures, different cultures of this country, different races and things like that. Um, um, so that's um, being involved. Um, so I, I, the, the the main goal is to either be a director of cricket one day or a CEO of one of the franchises one day. So... Um, yeah, that's what I've been thinking about away from the game. So uh, that's why I'm quite happy to walk away from the game soon um, and start pursuing those things away from the game because, yeah, to get myself experience um, and 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 hopefully I can come back into the game and and, and start um, being involved in that capaci- uh, capacity in the game. Well, that wraps up the first episode, and thank you everybody for tuning in. I just want to apologize for the abrupt ending to the show. I must have pushed stop recording a bit early as I'm still getting the hang of the software I use to record these episodes. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you could show some support by subscribing and that way you won't miss any of my future content. I hope you'll be back next time. Cheers.